0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by Preston Jacobs. And today we're going to be discussing the uh, first part of Dying of the Dragons. And we made it. We made it to the Dance of the Dragons. We finally made it. Yeah, it, it, it's... We were slow at it, but other things caught our attention.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny to to get to this point, because this, this is the first stuff that he actually started writing hmm. and so it's it's denser and more interesting and um it just in a different form when you think about what what he did last like the stu- l- stuff he did last is to harris and this is the stuff he did first which is um the dance of the dragons and it's just a different it's a very different writing style uh when reading it well,
0: this is for those of you who are uh, confused. This is Chapter Thirteen, The Dying of the Dragons, yeah. uh, the Blacks and the Greens. Um, yeah. Also, before we start, once again, as always, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. We even have a separate clip channel. Look up uh, Game of Thrones podcast. It's usually the first um, first uh, search results. Um, also, real quick, because I always get these questions in the comment sections. Uh, Preston, why do we always put that music whenever we mention Daemon Targaryen, the Rogue Prince? <laughs>
1: um it had to do with when so i did a video series called called uh the the genetics of dragons and war and it's a very um technical series that and i and i mean technical in the sense that it's technically technical in a scientific sense and it's also technical in that i'm going through um centuries of targaryen history on random Targaryens and talking about their their XY chromosomes and whether or not they're carrying a certain gene. Mm. And I realized going into it that um, it was getting just rather like dry. And so to be funny, I just, like when I got to the rogue prince, Damon Targaryen, the rogue prince, I just thought that like that that name was just so ridiculous you know Like, and that I would add to the ridiculousness of it mm-hmm. by adding that <laughs> song to add a swagger song to this swagger individual in the middle but it was mainly done to break up a very dry video um and it became uh this this very among my among my, my diehard fans it's a it's a a very loved song
0: what's <laughs> the name of the song by the way so people who want to go it's, look it up. It,
1: it's it's uh, one of the free songs that you that you can find on Final Cut Pro or iMovie. Uh, I think it's called Electric Rodeo.
0: I think so, too. But yeah. when, when I went to go look for it, it wasn't like at the very beginning. It was like towards the end of the song.
1: Yeah, it is. Because, I mean, it depends. Like, they have Electric Rodeo short, Electric Rodeo medium, and Electric Rodeo long. Mm-hmm. And, like, whichever one you're going to bring up brings up that kind of part, you know.
0: And also, the other question a lot of people ask is... Because uh, when we do the, th- the podcasts, we alternate on my channel, your channel, my channel, your channel. Um, so Some people have asked me, well, how come you always put, like, the book-related stuff on Preston's channel and you guys do, like, other stuff on, like, your channel? I know that Preston, uh, his stuff is more book-oriented. I know, like, he and his fans would, like, you know would more appreciate like the book oriented stuff. I do book stuff every now and then, but I like to focus on like a, the, the show, other shows, you know, what's in the yeah. news, stuff like that. And and so on and so yeah. forth. So I, I like to keep it. You don't have a problem with that, right?
1: No, 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 no. I, I it, it works perfectly. And uh, yeah, I mean, we understand that there's, there's a slight difference between just the, what my channel is about and what Carmine's channel is about. Like, and, um, You know, Carmine's channel is more, for instance, Star Wars oriented than my channel. Not that I don't put out Star Wars content, but uh, Carmine puts out more Star Wars content. I don't think you've ever put out any Star Wars video ever. Well, the man, the Mandalorian. I mean, outside of our podcast on the Mandalorian. Yeah, know. outside of that, I
0: don't think you've like yeah. ever like released a standalone video where it's just right. you with Star Wars.
1: So if we're gonna do a Mandalorian, if we're gonna do a Star Wars video, more likely than not, it's gonna be on your channel. Or if we talk about uh, politics or something risky in the news, risque <laughs> in the news, it's more likely gonna be on Carmine's channel. Thank you. If we're gonna, if we're gonna be talking about like, um, the the analysis of of the book or like. Random Westworld something, you know, something that where where we get into being super dorks, you know, it's gonna be more on my channel.
0: You know? <laughs> I like discussing like the show, the adaptation, like you know what's going yeah. on, stuff that's happening with George and stuff like that, and like I always make sure because I know you and your fans like appreciate like the book oriented stuff, so I always try to make sure that's on your channel. Um, yeah. So just to clear those things up, uh, but let's get to the chapter. And this is one of the shortest chapters in the entire book at, like, what,
1: 20 pages? The next one's yeah, even it's, shorter. Yeah, it's, it's funny considering that there were, what, there were 100-page chapters, right? And mm-hmm. then he has a 20-pager. Um, I, I guess he just, I don't know, how, how he broke it up or, or the amount of content or something. It's I actually it's like how he broke it
0: up, though, because this chapter is mostly focusing on what happens after the king is dead and how the yeah. greens and the blacks hold their councils and their strategies going forward into the war. So it's good that he broke this up like this. And it's only 20 pages, not even actually. One of the pages is just like a, a picture. Yeah. Um, and the next one is even shorter at 14 pages. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. We start with the, the chapter with a brief reminder of what the Dance of Dragons really was. Despite the cute name, it was a devastating civil war between two branches of House Targaryen that lasted around two years and dragged almost every single house in Westeros into the conflict. But after the death of King Viserys in the last chapter, there were two major claimants to the Iron Throne. His daughter, Rhaenyra, the only surviving child of his first marriage, and Aegon the Elder, his eldest son by his second wife, Alicent. This war was unlike any other in history, and I love this specifically from the book, this quote, It was a war marked by stealth, murder, betrayal, as well as a war fought in the shadows, and then the stairwells, council chambers, and castle yards with knives and lies and poison. So this is like a perfect way to really like sum up the whole thing at at the same time also give us, you know, a reason why the showrunners chose this for the prequel.
1: And it's also, it's, it's very important to also know that this was originally published under the title, the princess and the queen. And um, this, this part more so than any other, I mean, certainly the rogue prince has it and, and as does, you know, the previous chapters, but, the The bias of the writer, the bias of the author um, and the perspectives is very, very important uh, when 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 reading this section. I mean, yes, it's important for all of fire and blood, but especially so here. And um, George constantly reminds us of the different sources of the information and mm-hmm. how you're going to, uh, try to riddle them out, you know, riddle out what really happened. And you're, you know, you're gonna, you hear an event, you're not sure if it's gonna be true, you take it with a grain of salt. You hear a different event, you take it with a grain of salt, and you try to figure out for yourself um, what's really going on. In fact, the original title, "The Princess and the Queen," is actually a pretty clever title, because um, you hear it and you say, "Oh, the Princess and the Queen," you're supposed to assume that we're talking about Princess Rhaenyra, and Uh, Queen Alicent but right there that's a biased perspective because Rhaenyra if you're if you're a Rhaenyra fan Rhaenyra was queen it's only if you're a green would you only think that she's a princess you know so it's not just about like the princess and the queen Rhaenyra and Alicent it's about the princess and the queen as in Rhaenyra and Rhaenyra the two different perspectives of who Rhaenyra you know the two Mm -hmm. different perspectives are you a black are you green are you Mushroom? Are you Septon Eustace? Are you uh, Maester or Orwell? You know, are, and, and all of these perspectives are incredibly important um, uh, going forward and understanding everything. And we're, we're going to get into this because actually George has changed Princess and the Queen into Fire and Blood. Um, and I'm not sure if it's just, you know, I know that when Princess and the Queen was published, they had to cut it down a little. And I'm not sure if it's just a restoration of what was cut from Princess and the Queen, or if George made additional changes for Fire and Blood, but there are important differences between Princess and the Queen and what we're going to read here with Fire and Blood. Would
0: but you like to discuss those differences here on the podcast, or do you want to make your own separate video? Well,
1: no, we'll be we'll be talking about them as as they go okay. along. I'll, I'll identify I, I for the, in preparing for this, I, I I read both chapters side by side. Hmm, yeah. Okay.
0: So, the night that King Viserys died, Alicent held her own council, later called the Green Council, to devise a plan to seat her son on the throne. Alicent's father, Odo Hightower, insisted on waiting to inform Rhaenyra of her father's death and instead wanted to focus on the question of succession, despite the king's wishes that his daughter, Rhaenyra, would be crowned after him.
1: So, um, one one of the things, like, right from the beginning, in the original Princess and the Queen, there is no mention of Viserys being poisoned. And now they've, I mean, we're supposed to perhaps um, extrapolate that, but there's no particular mention. And then he's added, or in this version, in the Fire and Blood version, they specifically say that, oh, you know, Mushroom thinks maybe there's poison. Mm-hmm. And I—and and so I don't know if it's just like, a, he thought, oh, that was too subtle before. And now I want to really put that in there. But right from the beginning, we're not sure if, which perspective is correct. Was Viserys poisoned or
0: not? Um, but he also makes it clear when Mushroom theorizes this, Mushroom wasn't on, wasn't in King's Landing. He was on Dragonstone. Right.
1: Sure, absolutely. Also, Viserys was only 52 years old. Um, now, that said, I don't know about Viserys' health after the death of Balerion, the Black Dread, his dragon. I imagine that because the two men, the two um, beings are connected, my theory would be i think that viserys was not poisoned and that the death of balerion negatively affected viserys um and he eventually died for that reason but it's just um not everyone can be poisoned you know like there's just mm-hmm. there's just be too many poisonings going on cuz we're going to deal with there's a lot of poisonings going on there's a lot of deaths going on but like i i guess uh i kind of feel that the greens would have done better had Aegon become even older and they had they, you know, had more influence over the court, um, than, than the reverse. But I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they, they thought this was a good time because, um, Rhaenyra's children are still young and their dragons are still small. And this is the last chance they have to really like take over before, uh, before Rhaenyra gets too much power. But, I don't know whatever the case it's in question whether or not Viserys was poisoned and that's a difference between princess and the queen and fire and blood on that respect but
0: I wonder if he added that in there to make it more dramatic
1: um maybe you know but he really there's just so many of these like punchings of like oh now you know Munkin says this and 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 mushroom says this, and Eustace says this. That that's been added even more so than than in the original Princess and the Queen. And keep in mind that this section has more of that uh, back and forth. He says, she says, than any other part. I know. I noticed that blood. it was like
0: a battle between Mushroom and like everybody yeah. else. And of course, I love mushrooms. Is a mushrooms yeah. account of everything. It's more scandalous.
1: Even if they had kept it as Princess and the Queen by itself, I would have made that statement. But now it's even more so. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, continue. The council is called.
0: So, only one person spoke on behalf of Rhaenyra, but that was brushed aside. And at one point, several instances are brought up that specifically pass over the female in succession rights, citing that time Rhaenys was passed over in favor of her uncle Balon, and how the Great Council of 101 passed over Laenor in favor of Viserys. Other examples right. are also brought up with, like, Aegon the Conqueror and how Andal traditions favor men, which is something you brought up in the last episode in regards to Targaryen succession rights and how they differ from Westerosi tradition.
1: Yeah. Now, there, there is a, another disagreement in text. Like, certain, certainly Beesberry disagrees uh, and w- with the rest of the council and, and accepts that Rhaenyra is, is queen. But I think in one version, I think Orwell originally mentions that Rhaenyra was chosen by by Viserys, but then other people are like, nah, he didn't bring it up. But Orwile has to be our source here. No one else was there. Um, So really the other sources, whether whether it be Mushroom or Eustace, like wouldn't know. They can't say for for sure that Orwile didn't speak up. But it's it's interesting to note that Orwile claims that he spoke up. But later on, Orwile... Um, supposedly brings up the council of 101 with, with Rhaenyra. So like, this is where you can get like super suspicious of the masters, like right from the beginning. Like Orwell's opinion is completely under 100% 180 difference, different in two situations. And I would say that in both situations, he's creating conflict, right? Like, had it just been Beesberry in the room, I, I actually think that Orwell. Did bring it up. If I were to guess, because Beesberry is the only one in the room, that is for Rhaenyra, and I, you know, people aren't very um, people aren't very uh, bold when it's just themselves. But if there's one other person that, that agrees with you, you might be willing to speak up a little more. Right. And I think Orwell brought it up, and then Beesberry went overboard, um, and so Orwell was creating conflict in the room. Uh, cause later he creates conflict as well with Renira, Uh, and we'll talk about that when we get there, but, um, but yeah, the, um, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's interesting here though that, that Beesberry, and again, we don't know if Beesberry is killed on the spot or if he's brought to the dungeon. That's also in disagreement. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, The council itself is kind of funny because it's completely like when they bring up Council of 101, it's all selective memory, okay? Like the Lannisters are sitting there talking about the support for. That, that it's always been male support when they supported Dreamfire Reyna for many years. <laughs> so like, it's just ridiculous that the Lannisters would be would be like uh, saying, oh no, it's settled as, as Council of 101. That's ridiculous. In fact, Tyland Lannister was actually a suitor of Rhaenyra. I'm sure if he got married to Rhaenyra, he'd be arguing for her, okay? <laughs> you know, like there'd be no reason to go for her otherwise. You know, like... It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, the hypocrisy. Now, I also think it's funny is that later they supposedly bring up uh, the, 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 um, the, after they they talk about everything, they bring up the annals from from the Council of 101 to look at their potential enemies. They knew their enemies beforehand. And it's not a coincidence that none of the people that voted for Rhaenyra on 101 are on the council. <laughs> okay. It's definitely not a coincidence. Okay. They've, they've known who voted for Rhaenyra for years and probably worked to fill the council with none of Rhaenyra's allies, like from the beginning. Um, it's ridiculous. Like, let's pull up those, those annals. Like, you know, you know, exactly. Like, it's not that hard to remember that the Starks, like, like we're on Rhaenyra's side or that the Baratheons were on Rhaenyra's side. It's not that many houses to remember.
0: Like, to be fair, <laughs> Christian Cole at one point was on Rhaenyra's side, but he has, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, conflicting. We'll get to know. that. We'll mm-hmm. get to
1: that. Christian Cole is, is, uh, is, is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, did you, Christian Cole mentions that, and this is very funny because he mentions that as, as. A reason that we shouldn't support Rhaenyra, that uh Jacaris Valerian, her son, um he mentions that he's supposedly a bastard of Harwin Strong. And so we can't support Rhaenyra because then the kingship would pass to the hands of Jacaris Valerian. Right. Um, what I think is hilarious is that Jacaris Valerian now it's all written in there that Harwin Strong is the father because he has brown hair and a stubby nose and things like this. But like, there's also at the exact same time in in history um, all sorts of stories about Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole's romance. Um, And so it very well may be that that, that Jace, the eldest, is Kristen Cole's. And that his argument is ironic, because he's actually arguing against his own son to become king. Like I think that's like rather funny that like you know, um, and you could and you'd only you'd never catch that just reading Princess and the Queen. You've got to like go back and like in in Rogue Prince and like see like oh right. Um, Kristen Cole had a had a had a supposed romance with with Rhaenyra at the exact same time that she supposedly had a, a romance with Harwin Strong. Like it could very well be Jace could be Kristen Cole's son. <laughs> you're speechless. No, no, no. no, no. I, <laughs> I try not to
0: interrupt you when you're on a roll like that. But uh, him being Cole's son would be a nice bit of sweet irony that I hope they don't really resolve or go into too much because things like that are better left alluded to, if anything.
1: Don't you think it's too obvious for, you know, the three kids to all be Harwin Strong's? Like, it's just too obvious. Like, the 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 situation is you're supposed to say, oh, are they Laenors or are they, are they Harwin Strong's? Well, they all have brown hair and Lanor is gay. So, like, the assumption is immediately that, they're they're not now some some would argue that no the trick is is they actually are still Lenors. it's just they didn't come out blonde or they didn't come out silver haired who cares like that happens yeah but what are the odds um, of
0: that of all the all the kids
1: yeah all like all three right when when both hair when both parents are silver haired right um you know and you're, you know you're obviously supposed to think of Joffrey but that's the thing is if you're thinking of Joffrey you're thinking of who's Lord Commander of the of the ki- of the Kingsguard and things like that um. Like you know, well, Kristen Cole, Jamie Lannister, you know, that's the 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 big connection. And then there's this there's just this irony that that Kristen Cole like hates Jace so much, and he hates Jace because he thinks Jace is like Harwin Strong's because he heard some rumor that Rhaenyra banged Harwin Strong, but you know the the, the irony is that like. He hates this kid. That's actually his own child. Would be like a much better story.
0: I would. I would agree with that simply for the fact that, as we all know, George and we've done this before in previous chapter. George loves to yeah. uh, reuse and recycle certain elements from like the main series.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no other reason to really introduce the the Kristen Cole romance. I mean, it makes for it a more really... scandalous story, though. Yeah, I mean, or that. all oh, the the big the big motivation of Kristen Cole and and him being the kingmaker is, is being spurned by Rhaenyra and that there was like, it, you know, it all came down to relationship, but you know, it's, it, it's somewhat interesting, but I think it's more interesting if Jace is actually is.
0: <laughs> but uh, as the council continued on, they noted that if Rhaenyra is crowned, it won't be her who rules the seven kingdoms, but instead it'll be Daemon Targaryen who does it, the rogue prince. Yes. Who will pull the strings. He even finds reasons to kill off Allison's children. This is Christian Cole and the the council itself. They find reasons that uh, if Rainier is crowned, she'll kill off Allison's children. And only Lord Beesbury raises objections to overlooking Rainier's claim. And he, when he tries to leave, he is murdered. But the accounts differ on how this went about. But likely sources point to Christian Cole, who the entire time has been actively participating in the whole thing when yeah. he really should have been just silent. Um, he even convinces yeah. Aegon the elder to take the throne, despite Aegon not really wanting to pass over his sister. But Cole persuades him by saying that if he doesn't, then he and his brothers would most likely be executed.
1: <clears throat> now, um now the, the, the thing now be- Beesbury, there's disagreement in source on whether Beesbury is, is killed or if he's brought down to the dungeon and is killed in the dungeon. And this is um relevant because later house Beesbury wants him back. Um And, you know, they they think he's still in the dungeon. And so there there's some there's some question of whether or not that that really happened. I think Orwell claims that he wasn't killed there and Orwell's the only one in the room. So I tend to believe that it's actually Orwile uh and that Beast wasn't killed on the spot and was brought down to the black cells. Where he died um, eventually of a wasting Yeah he, does, he dies regardless. But yeah. you know um so one of the funny things is is Laurie Strong um cuz he has no defense for now keep in mind if jace is harwin strongs larry strong should be trying to defend his ne- his nephew but we don't know if he knows if the kid's Kristen's or harwins or perhaps he really hated his brother cuz there was some theories that that there there was a rumor that larrys killed his brother in order to get heron hall but who knows there's also some disagreement that like some people think that Laris is secret is secretly working for the blacks which means you know he really does want a strong on the on the throne he really does want his nephew on the throne um but who knows it's uh it's all a big mystery Laris strong doesn't talk and he's just kind of you know obviously his name rhymes with Varis so you're supposed to think that he's and he's the master of whisperers so you're supposed to think that he's he's ruthless and scheming so But, um, you know, maybe he's a secret black supporter and that he thinks Jace is a strong and that he wants Jace on the throne. I don't know. But it's it's an interesting thing to think about. But
0: uh, while the king was rotting in his room, the Greens had the upper hand for more than 24 hours to prepare for the fallout of placing Aegon the Elder on the Iron Throne, arresting men who might be loyal to Rhaenyra and replacing them, while moving quickly to set the crown's money aside for bribes, gifts, and swords, They even uh, assessed potential enemies that might oppose them, like the Arryns, who had their own female ruler, who might side with Rhaenyra for fear that her own claim might be called into question. Other main Mm -hmm. opponents would be House Stark and Baratheon, but despite the fact that House Baratheon originally aligned with Rhaenyra and her her people during the Great Council, the Greens sought to change that. So Alicent sent her son Prince Aemon to marry one of the Baratheons' daughter to bring the Stormlands to their side.
1: Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we're we're going to get into that story because that's a very interesting story, but that's in the in the next chapter. Right? Mm-hmm. But if there's some uh, and it affects something that Tyrion says in A Dance with Dragons about about how Swan and the and, uh, the mirror shield and things like this. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, um, the, uh, oh, I want to talk about Kristen Cole convincing Aegon that he's the heir. Um, this is clearly a parallel to Ariana with Myrcella. Um, in fact, Ariana's chapter is called the Queenmaker. She has to convince Myrcella or they try to convince Myrcella or, Maybe it's Marcella, maybe it's Rosmond, whatever. The girl in the desert. They have to try to convince her that that she's queen, and she immediately says, "Like, but you know, um, my brother is a boy, so like, isn't he king?" And they're like, "No." Same thing happens with Aegon. C- Kristen Cole supposedly goes to him and says, "You know, Rhaenyra," and Aegon immediately says, "But Rhaenyra's older. It's or no, she's not. Well, she is older, but she was chosen by by Viserys, so." Um but what's strange and this this gets into conspiracy, okay? Now now and hear me out on this one. <laughs> Ariana's uh goal is not Mircella on the throne. Her goal is war. She knows that convincing that convincing people that Mircella is queen will create war, not her being like she doesn't give a shit about who's on the throne. She just wants war with the Lannisters for revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all sorts of other issues where she thinks that her birthright is being taken and she wants to overthrow her father and stuff like this because she thinks that her birthright's going to Quentin. Um, Kristen Cole. Is he really, does he really want Aegon on the throne? Does he care about Rhaenyra or is the point just war? You know, is he an agent of the Maesters who want to pit, you know, dragon against dragon? You know, um, you, you know, is that the goal? Is he part of a Maester conspiracy to kill off the dragons? Because the only thing that's going to come out of here, this is war, you know? So he's, he's trying, he, if the parallel holds, like Ariana is trying to convince Marcella that she's queen, but she really wants war, is Kristen Cole trying to convince Aegon that he's king just to make war the parallels
0: aside like i would have to see some convincing evidence that christian <laughs> cole is some really good evidence that christian cole is uh really with the maester conspiracy maester Septon conspiracy because he did, he
1: did try to convince rhaenyra to run off with him to, right but uh, but he could suits. just be like
0: a like a like a spiteful lover i mean i'm yeah. sure you and your past as well as my past have uh, had uh you know Lovers who have been very spiteful in the after a breakup or whatever. So, yeah,
1: I mean, that's, you know, that's obviously what we're supposed to think on the first reading on the mm-hmm. surface level, that Kristen Cole is a jealous lover and that his entire mission uh to take down Rhaenyra is purely because she spurned him. And that's that's all he cares about, you know, but uh that's what we're supposed to think. But who knows? But
0: over in Dragonstone, Rhaenyra learned of what happened and began her own quote-unquote Black Council where they tallied up their fighting forces, which was not enough to win the war to come. Rhaenyra realized that in order to turn the tide of battle, they would need more dragon riders to mount the dragons left on Dragonstone, which included those who riders have died and some who were even considered wild that have never been claimed. But eventually the Black Council strategy falls apart considering Rhaenyra was not strong enough to ride uh, after just giving birth, and she would not risk her three young children going into battle. Just...
1: Yeah, yeah. There's um. Well, one thing that the one uh thing that the Green Council does is they do wait for Rhaenyra to to give birth because they think there's a chance that she's going to die in mar in 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 um in childbirth. But she doesn't. Uh, but her child dies. Um, and it's supposed to be a parallel to Danny, you know, supposedly scaled and malformed. We're not sure, you know, if this baby has been murdered by a maester or not. Because, you know, after all, Miriam Mazdor is blamed for, for Dany's uh, mis- uh, stillbirth. So it's left a little ambiguous. Though um, though, uh, Rhaenyra's maester, Maester Girardy's, uh he does seem pretty loyal to Rhaenyra. Still, he's a maester, so I don't know. But um, that said, that child, the child of Daemon Targaryen and and Rhaenyra, you know, you'd think it'd be super powerful. This powerful Dragon Rider Damon Targaryen, the super powerful Dragon Rider Rhaenera, that they would have, you know, a super powerful child. So you'd think that they wouldn't want these children, but, you know, um but I don't know. There was a, but nonetheless, we get we get this, you know, miscarriage just like uh just like Danny's. Um and you know we're supposed to think about this, you know, making her insane maybe just like Danny might be going insane. I, I don't know. But... Well,
0: well, the parallel I like it here because it's like you said, Danny is a special Targaryen, just like Rhaenyra. So they're they're George is clearly trying to bind that together. Uh, but despite their numer- numerical advantage with the dragons, the Greens had somewhat of their own advantage with their dragon riders being of age and Aemon possessing Vagar, one of the, the original dragons during the conquest, <clears throat> and after a hundred yeah. years had grown to be the strongest and largest dragon at that time. So with Bal- Bay- uh, Balerion dead vegar is the one left and of course after a hundred battles it's literally like yeah it's unfair yeah
1: this this is a really weird scene where they start doing a um a tally uh, a tally of the dragons because um reynes the queen who never was uh, uh i'm sorry Raina. no reynes the queen who never was the um she says she thinks that the blacks have an advantage But when you actually like break down the dragons, it's pretty even, but it's written like, like, uh, like they've got this clear advantage and it's just not the case. Um, Well, they're going
0: by how many dragons are on Dragonstone and how the ones born on Dragonstone are apparently better and more fierce and larger, stronger because of the environment. And Rainier specifically states the environment on Dragonstone is better for dragons to thrive in.
1: Yeah, but so Aemon's got Vagar, who's enormous, okay? Mm-hmm. Vagar is a force in itself. And then Aegon's got Sunfire, and then Helena's got Dreamfire. Um, though, you know, Helena isn't riding it yet, but nonetheless, you know, Dreamfire is, is, is a pretty good dragon. And then uh, Daron has Tassarian, but Tassarian's like small. So nonetheless, Vagar's huge. Meanwhile... Uh, on the on the on the black side we've got Damon's got Caraxes, which is pretty good rhaenyra has got Cyrax but she can she can't ride right now cuz she's not healthy her three sons Vermax Arax, Tyraxes, those are small dragons um Stormcloud Aegon the 3rd and Stormcloud. he's not riding it yet Rhaenys' dragon Malis is supposedly lazy um but, then, but
0: but fearsful when roused up
1: yeah, and then Bela has Moondancer which is small, small and she's not really riding. So they really don't have the, if they have an advantage, it's very small until the dragon seeds. I will grant that once you get the dragon seeds, riding Silverwing, uh, Vermithor, and Sea Smoke, then the blacks have the advantage. Like, but it it all it all set, you know, it's all dependent upon whether they can get these dragon seeds to to ride.
0: I actually want to go into a discussion with you about Dragon Seeds in the next uh, episode uh, when we discuss that. And I also want to bring in uh, Quentin Martell into the whole uh, mix. But once again, what's the conversation oh, yeah. for next time? Um, oh, did, we,
1: did we briefly talk about the crown? How, the, uh, the
0: crown that uh, Kingsguard Stefan Darkland sneaks out into the night? Yeah. Qu- King Viserys' crown? Go for it.
1: Well, it's funny because they say, they claim that Aegon... Has selected Aegon the Conqueror's crown, and then and then after he selected it, that they should guard Viserys's crown. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I bet that that was not the order of events. I bet they stole Viserys's crown, and so he's forced to wear Aegon the Conqueror's crown. Because why would you choose the crown of Magor the Cruel? Like, why would you why <laughs> would you go for that crown? When you have Viserys's crown, like Viserys's is a better crown. Viserys's crown was 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 uh, worn by Jaehaerys and Viserys, the last two kings. Like you don't you don't go for Maegor the Cruel's crown. <laughs> like Darklin Darklin definitely made off with the crown first, and then he's like, and then Aegon's like, fuck, I've got to go to Aegon the Conqueror's crown. Like that's definitely the order of events. It didn't happen. <laughs> way they said it there. Anyway, continue <laughs> on.
0: Well, as they start gathering their forces, Rhaenyra's son, Jace, realizes that they should go in person with their dragons to treat with potential allies as it, would be fast, as it would be faster than ravens. Jace would treat with the Vale and the North while her son, Luke, would be sent to Storm's End to gather the Baratheon support, setting up our next yeah. chapter.
1: Yeah, I mean, the big thing is that, that the previous um, Lord uh, Bormund Baratheon, his sister uh, Jocelyn was the mother of Rhaenys, the queen who never was, um, Jocelyn, you know, Valarian, And so it's, you know, but now Borman's dead. And so like, we're, you're not sure it's now we're talking about an aunt, like what, what, it, you know, going to bat for your sister is different from going to bat for your aunt, you know? So mm-hmm. they, they think that they can win over the Baratheons, but yeah.
0: But after Rhaenyra is coronated, uh, King Aegon II wanted her arrested and executed. But others on his small council were initially against it to spare a costly war. Both his mother, aunt, his mother Alicent, and his wife Helena argued that they should try to parley first. So that's why they send the Grand Maester there to deliver the terms. Uh, and these are the terms. If the princess would acknowledge him as king and make obeisance before the Iron Throne, Aegon II would confirm her in her possession of Dragonstone (laughs) and allow the island and castle to pass to her son, Jocerys, upon her death. Her second son, Lucerys, would be recognized as the rightful heir to Driftmark and the lands and holdings of House Velaryon. Uh, Her boys by Prince Daemon, which include Aegon the Younger and Viserys, would be given places of honor at court, the former as Mm. king's Squire and the latter as Cupbearer. Pardons will be granted to the lords and knights who had conspired treasonously with her against the true king.
1: Now, if These there the is, terms. if there are ever, if there is ever a time where I'm going to point out biased writing, it's this. Like it's so obviously biased. The fact that they say the terms were generous. By the way, that's added for Fire and Blood. In the original Princess and the Queen, like, the, I mean, the the monkin declaring the terms were generous. The monkin declares is added princess and the queen it's not there it just says the terms were generous the terms were not generous the terms were horrible okay the terms like it's ridiculously bad well he's basically
0: saying you know acknowledge me and you can keep your life and your titles but you will not have obviously the you know and,
1: and all of but she doesn't even get like she gets dragonstone okay and then luceres um her and her son would then get dragonstone who cares and then Lucerys would then get drift marks, taking it from the Velaryons, creating a rift between, between Rhaenyra's family and the Velaryons, just stealing the Velaryons' birthright. And then the other boys all are hostages at court, right? Places of honor, that, that they're wards, they're hostages. So Rhaenyra gets nothing. She gets Dragonstone, okay? That's it. Think about how Stannis liked getting Dragonstone, okay? (laughs) Like, let's think about that for a second, you know?
0: Well, in regards to, like, the main book, Stannis getting Dragonstone was bullshit because it doesn't have the same meaning as it once did during the golden years of Targaryen rule, and, um... Like, plus, he had no dragons. Rhaenyra keeping Dragonstone in the terms, in my opinion, seems somewhat generous, considering that's where, you know, dragons thrive the most and grow stronger. Plus, it's <clears> somewhat <throat> of a strategic location, considering yeah, her group yeah. has the most ships up and down the eastern coast. You're
1: right. You're right that in the feudal sense, it's not generous at all. But if, if you're talking about, like, I'm going to give you the means to kill me in 20 years. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's in 20 years. Um and by then he would have consolidated, you know, rule over over the you know, hopefully over the uh, the rest of the kingdom. This is actually um very big about like the the like the Roman triumvirate. Like um so when they broke up Rome, uh, Augustus Caesar uh, gets gets the capital, but um Marcus Marcus uh, gets um uh uh, gets, uh, Egypt, which is richer and has, and so like over time, he, he will gain more power, but politically like, you know, Augustus can consolidate stuff. Lepidus gets the meaningless part of Africa, but the, you know, it's kind of similar where like on a future date, Renero would be, would be better off, but, um, maybe if Aegon can't, uh, um, uh, consolidate um uh Mark Antony I meant in in, in Egypt. Anyway, but but <clears throat> whatever the case, it's it's they're really bad terms. They're not generous terms. They're horrible terms. Um and the fact that like the Maesters are saying that they're they're generous terms shows their bias. It's ridiculous. Munkin is ridiculous. And <clears throat> Orwell is also this is also where you can see Orwell is biased. So when you, when, you, when you give terms, right, these, this is a starting point of negotiations. Think about how many times uh, Cleos Frey had to walk back and forth across the Riverlands um, in, 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 in Ice and Fire, right? He, he, and he gets, he gets weary. He's just like, oh, crap, I've got to go back again because, because <laughs> Rob Stark and the Crown are negotiating. And they talk about this, how like, okay, we're gonna start lowballing them and then they're kind of come back with a counter offer, and then we'll we'll come we'll, we'll find something in between, maybe. None of that happens here. The negotiation completely utterly breaks down because of Maester Orwell. That means he is, that means Cleos Frey is an infinitely better negotiator <laughs> than Grand Master <laughs> Orwell. Okay, Orwell brings these terms. And and suddenly, like, there is a, there is a break, complete and utter breakdown and there's war afterwards. That makes me think Maester Conspiracy.
0: Well, to play like, devil's advocate for a minute here, if you don't mind, in this instance, it sounds more, to me at least, like the Maesters and Septons are siding sure. against the Targaryens, more so in lieu of Westerosi tradition favoring the male over female heir rather than them just wanting to keep the Targaryens and specifically Rhaenyra down. And the Cleos <clears throat> Frey thing... I feel as though the crown at the time was more willing to negotiate with Rob, considering that they were facing a war on three fronts, right? The North, the Reach, and the Western Coast. If they could get Rob to chill out for a moment while they focused on Robert's brothers, then sure. But here, Aegon is just trying to be generous when he kind of feels like he has no reason to be. Because the Greens feel as though they have the advantage right now in regards to money, allies, and by some extent, dragons with Vagar.
1: All right. Now, here's the other thing. All right, let's take it completely from Orwell's perspective, mm-hmm. okay? Orwell claims that when he, when, he, when he arrived and Rhaenyra looked at him and he's all pissed off, and she asked him, why do you serve my brother? Um, his supposed answer was, well, you know, the Council of 101 uh, obligates me to, like, follow your brother. Or not your, I mean, your, I guess it's step-brother. But half, yeah, half-brother. Yeah. Um, so, but he, by his own words, back during the Green Council, said that Rhaenyra had a claim. So why would Orwell, who all by his own words claim that Rhaenyra has a claim, piss her off by citing the Council of 101 to her face?
0: Defend himself? He's scared?
1: I mean, there's a million answers he could say. Like, I have to. I or maesters are neutral. He could, which is the truth, mm-hmm. right? He could say maesters are neutral, that everyone, regardless of who is king, I need to. I need to. If there's, a, you know, the maesters have a policy that if there's a dispute, we have to. we have to represent, like that's the truth. That that happens during the War of the Five Kings. That the the maesters represent the different factions uh as neutral part, as neutral advisors and parties. Like he can easily give the truthful answer. Instead, he gives an answer that completely contradicts what he said earlier that, that enrages Rhaenyra. Like why, why would, you know, it makes, it makes no sense that he would do that. He is the worst negotiator. Like, why would you send, like why, why send him if he's going to piss her, piss her off like that? He's like I say, like, Cleos Frey. Send Cleos Frey. He did a much better job. <laughs> I mean, Cleos Frey hasn't born yet, but nonetheless, someone like Cleos <laughs> Frey. If Cleos Frey, a numbnut, a numbnut idiot, can do a better job by just presenting the terms and saying, okay, what's your response? Instead, like, Orwell causes the whole thing to break down. You know?
0: I think things are going to break down regardless if Orwell tried to do something or not.
1: Oh, I mean... I don't know. Mostly because um,
0: of Christian Cole like uh, persuading Aegon II that if he doesn't take it, his, his brothers will die and his family will, but, uh,
1: yeah. Then you come up with a marriage. You, that's all you do. You say, oh, okay, the, Jace will marry Aegon's first daughter and they will have the kingship after. Like you come up with something, you know, that's all you have to do. Like, there, there are marriage alliances and all sorts of stuff. They can, you know, he can offer her more land. You can say, oh, maybe not just Dragonstone. You're going to all, you're going to, we're going to make you, uh, you know, uh, lady of the Stormlands. We're going to give you all of the Storm, like, give her something. But instead, nothing? No, there's definitely, there's definitely ways to, or say we're going to call another council. Like, there's a million things you can do. Um. But he does none of them. He does none of them. Orwell is the worst. The fact that these negotiations break down right there is like this this is like some of the strongest evidence that there's a Maester conspiracy is Orwell's contradiction uh, from the Green Council to his discussion with Rhaenyra and how quickly, like, peace negotiations just complete and utterly break down. Mm. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> he's such a bad negotiator exceptionally <laughs> bad, exceptionally bad
0: well who the who did, who wrote the terms did he write the terms or did Aegon the second write the terms or did the small I mean, council all put it put the something in there
1: i mean if that's the thing is he's on I'm sure it's a small council together, but if he's on that small council that means he was part of it and like talked about that
0: well, they can't offer too much in my opinion because they think they have uh obviously the greens think they have some type of advantage where they want to offer peace, but not too much. They don't want to give them too much because it might make them look weak. It's one of those weird limbo moments, like moments (laughs) where they're in limbo, you know, like we're king, we shouldn't have to offer anything, but at the same time, let's try. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like bargaining at a market in a, in a, in a lesser developed country, you know, like, (laughs) You, you you start with a quarter you know of, of what they claim the price is and then you move up you know and you you see what you see where it ends up you know mm-hmm. um, and you negotiate to probably around half of what they originally said whatever um it, it's the same but that but that's the thing is there's there's negotiation to happen you know there's so many things that can happen um you can say hey we'll have the uh, the high septin uh, Annul your marriage to Daemon Targaryen and then and I'll have, you know, and then Aegon and Rhaenyra can get married. Anything, you know, anything. But it's there's there's a lot of different possibilities. Marriage pacts, lands, um, hostages, wards, all sorts of different things that go on in these in these things. And nothing, nothing happens. I'm assuming when he
0: offered her her sons by uh, with Daemon to come over as squire and cupbearer, I think that was like the hostage thing.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. But he didn't—he didn't give her anything. She already has. She already has Dragonstone. Yeah, you know, like, what are you offering her? You're like, oh, I invite you to give up your children as hostages. Oh, thank you, and to keep your <laughs> <their> lives. <laughs> but
0: the chapter ends with her uh, obviously uh, not taking to the terms, taking off Grandmaster Orwell's uh, chains, and giving into her own maester. and obviously Aegon you know says then it's war um the chapter uh some notes from the chapter uh that we've already gone over mushroom theorizes that queen alicent was the one who killed viserys with poison but he was not their important person uh kingsguard Stefan darkland sneaks out in the night with king viserys's crown and flees to dragonstone to join rhaenyra um uh the other thing was the parallel between uh Rha- rhaenyra and daenerys and you know the miscarriage mm-hmm, yeah. and uh yeah i think we we pretty much covered everything um Interesting chapter. I like that it was short and to the point, and the base, basically the chapter just covered everybody's potential yeah. war assets and their war powers, and, and, and you know, just, I like this chapter. It was, it was a good chapter to to really get into the mm-hmm. nitty-gritty of, of where everybody stands and how oh, yeah. they could possibly win. So it was a good chapter for me overall. Next chapter, even better, is 14 pages. Uh, I love the short chapters. <laughs> well,
1: that's the thing, is it, it's it's so rich, you know? like this was not um this was not the life of Jaharius where he goes on a long uh spiel about about you know some random person's life in ESOs. the only thing that was kind of random is when he brings up the um the Cargile twins which is actually added it wasn't that wasn't in Princess and the Queen but that's the only thing that's kind of like a non sequitur like oh right the Cargile twins like there's a song about them like meeting for a second and then having to be broken up again, you know, but, um, it's very, you know, it's very clear that this, you know, he had a lot more time and a more active mind than, than when he was writing the jahari stuff, which was kind of filler, you know?
0: A lot of it was filler. A lot of it focused on just <laughs> their children. It was, it was keeping up with the Targaryens basically. But, yeah. um, overall, like I said, I liked the chapter. Uh, clearly you had a lot to say about it as well with the grand maester, and uh, faith conspiracy yeah, here it's just
1: very very dense very a lot of ideas a lot of very dense stuff i so, can see uh, this
0: being an entire like episode in and of itself when when they do the the prequel and uh one interesting thing to note by the way and we'll discuss this more is that i wonder i wonder how they're going to portray like even mushroom being there because one thing that really stuck out to me was that whenever mushroom opens his mouth and says something I find it fucking hilarious how Mushroom (laughs) always knows, like, what the fuck is happening, all the scandalous stuff, because by his account, they don't pay attention to him. He's like some dim-witted dwarf. And I'm just sitting Mm. there wondering, so while they're, like, engaging in this debauchery, is this motherfucker just there staring at them in the fucking corner? And they just pay him (laughs) no mind?
1: So, I mean, this is, it's a bit (laughs) of a play on on Roman history. So, um, in... So in Roman history, we, we, there's a more serious historian, Tacitus, and then there's, the, uh, there's a historian who just would write only the salacious stuff named Suetonius. And um, so sometimes Tacitus' work, which covers, they cover um, some of the same periods, but Tacitus' work is sometimes incomplete, like it didn't survive. And so all we have is Sueton- Suetonius's event, events so for for example like you've heard of the emperor caligula right?
0: yeah of course oh my god yes
1: right his name is like synonymous with like orgies and 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 all this sort of like stuff right mm-hmm. um well the reason is because tacitus's history of caligula didn't survive only suetonius's did and so his like the only history we have on caligula is that stuff like from a, a salacious writer? Um, <laughs> while for other writer for other, uh, you know, emperors around that time, Claudius, even Nero, we have Tacitus's versions, which which tend to be a little more, you know, well, like Tacitus's versions are a lot more grounded than Suetonius. Um, and so, you know, this is this is kind of part of it is that mushroom is supposed to be the Suetonius, where he's just writing you know oh it's a bunch of murder and sex because it was he was writing it for entertainment suetonius was writing for entertainment like you weren't supposed to be taking necessarily these histories seriously right but it's the only histories that have survived like the only thing we have on caligula is suetonius which is which is not really i guess it's not fair to caligula but i mean so now we now we just think of him as being the most notorious uh um sex fiend you know in history when uh, he probably was he was probably just like anyone else and i mean i've any of the other uh emperors i think somebody said the number of people that you uh, caligula actually murders during his period is the same as any other emperor per per year per you know but for some reason like they were they remember him as this like horrible guy but
0: uh, <laughs> uh but yeah uh, uh, can we wrap it up by the way sure i think guys thank you so much for joining us as always we will be ne- back next time with the next chapter in fire and blood um we're finishing up rather quickly hopefully once again i, I hope uh the next chapters will be just as small but i doubt it because you know it's, what, it's like 700 pages in this and we're only <laughs> like 500 something maybe 400 something but um no we'll keep dishing them out as always leave your questions down below and uh we'll try to get to them as soon as possible and maybe a future q a or something like that uh also preston are we doing anything for the
1: 10th anniversary of thrones oh my god i didn't even think about that oh let's do something yeah no let's do something let's do like now that it's been 10 years like how's the world changed
0: well, I remember back in the day, you know, there No, big... I mean and I mean
1: like like how T V has changed and oh. what's happened to these actors and things like that. How's Game of Thrones influenced the world oh my God. ten years later? You know. I remember
0: oh, I'm trying I'm still trying to find this to this day. I remember look picking up a magazine. This is when Thrones right before it came out, picking up a magazine and, and like one cover was Ga- the Game of Thrones season one with Sean Bean as Ned Stark, and the other cover was Fuck, I forgot the name of it, but it was uh, a King Arthur on Showtime. Fuck, I got to I got to I got to find it and it like it's like who will win the medieval wars. And I'm like, huh, <laughs> who will win the medieval wars? And
1: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.